Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Dimmitt. Today's guest on the podcast is Katie Lambert. Katie is a lifer and has had success in just about every facet of the sport of rock climbing. She's a professional climber. She's also written countless articles for Climbing Magazine, owns a small business with her husband, Ben Ditto, and she has a master's degree in nutrition. We talked about her involvement in the film Pretty Strong, about climbing with Nina Williams and what she and Nina learned from one another. We talked about her training and how she used the deadlift to fix her lower back pain. We talked about how she thinks about structuring her year to balance the many disciplines of climbing that she engages in. And we talked about nutrition and got some really interesting recommendations that I think could be helpful to anyone, not just to climbers. All the products, exercises, and routes we mentioned are linked in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. I also wrote out Katie's nutritional recommendations for you guys as a reference, and you can find those in the show notes as well. This episode was recorded at the end of February and is the last episode that I recorded pre-coronavirus. Katie came out to Vegas to show a screening of Pretty Strong, and she was gracious enough to sit down with me the next morning before driving back to Bishop. I had never met Katie before the interview, so I really appreciate her for sitting down with me. And a big thanks to Jonathan Segrist for connecting us, and to both Jonathan and Shana for being kind enough to offer up their house and to let us sit at the living room table while they were trying to have a normal Wednesday morning and make breakfast. You can hear them both chime in near the end of the interview, and it's actually pretty funny. Uh, But thanks to both of them, and thanks to Katie, and thanks to you guys. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Katie Lambert. Cool. I think things sound good. Okay, cool. Hi, Katie. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is kind of last minute. I know you're trying to take off later this morning and, and head back to Bishop, but um, I appreciate you making the time. No worries. Um, we're in Vegas right now. Last night, I got to go see Pretty Strong, which you are featured in, and you're here for that just for the day, and it sounds like you're driving back yeah. to Bishop. It was amazing. It was a really great film. You're in there climbing with Nina Williams, and you guys did Father Time. Yeah. 13B, what, 20 pitches? Yeah, 20 pitches. On the Middle Cathedral in Yosemite. What was your experience like being on the other side of the film? Um, just in general or on that route in particular? Uh, either. Whichever one you feel more interested talking about. Um, <laughs> Maybe we can get into a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's funny being part of something like that because the filming goes on for a long time. Yeah, how um, long did it take? So, like, the route itself, we were... You don't get this from the film, but, you know, we were up there for six days. Mm. Um, in the film, it looks like we were just there for, like, two or three days or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that took three days. We had, like, prepped for the route before also, like, fixing all of those lines for Julie to be able to film on. That was, like, some days. So that whole filming of that was probably over nine days. But then in general, like all of the other footage that you see, like before we start that route, you know, it's like Nina bouldering throughout the season before and then me climbing. It was probably about a year and a half of filming with Julie following us both around here and there. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're kind of joking about her. Oh, Julie's here again. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to do your training. Trying to and just do just my thing to... and go to work, do some training. Yeah. Live my life. And I'm like, dang, there's Julie. Was it? Because we're filming. <laughs> <laughs> what did it get hard to kind of stick to your routine and do your thing? Um, no, because she's so easygoing and casual about it. She just kind of would tag along and be like, okay, well, what's your plan today? Okay. I'll just be there in the corner. Uh-huh. <laughs> So it was really interesting in the film, Nina ended up sending, you didn't end up sending. And for people that are listening, I'm guessing that more people will have seen Nina Williams and other climbing movies and footage and stuff like that. They might not be as familiar with who you are, mm-hmm. but people should know that this route is like totally in your wheelhouse. Like you had every reason to be up there. Like right. you, you've done other things, you know, 513 big wall, stuff like that recently, you know, and, and of course there was a really good chance that you were going to send. So tell me about that. You kind of spoke to something in the Q&A afterwards where you were, you were speaking to, or no, it was in the film. You were speaking to that kind of interesting balance where you're psyched for your partner, but your ego's kind of... Sure, it's like, like wounded. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's not to say that that route isn't hard. It's quite difficult. Uh-huh. Um, There's 313B pitches. 313B pitches, and it's not just like your standard 13B. And if anyone's familiar with Mikey Schaefer, you know he... He puts up like pretty stout roots. They're, Is it his root? Yeah. Okay. They're always quite hard for the grade. And, you know, the first pitch, 13B, it's called the boulder problem. It's probably like V9, mm. um, which that's pretty hard for 13B, to be yeah. honest. You know, it's just that it's short. And so it's over pretty quickly. Okay. Second pitch, also 13B. And it's, you know, more enduro. It's very bouldery at the start, quite reachy. And then, yeah, just like enduro, lie backing. And I could say that's probably true to the grade 13B. Okay. Um, the next crux pitch, the index corner, also 13B. Mikey joked that that one's just the one with no holds. It, yeah, there really no are holds. like no holds. It's just like this really weird Houdini kind of Yosemite climbing, or I guess something you'd find up an index. Okay. Um, I think that one's probably really hard to grade. Mm. And you could consider it as it'll never be easier than 13B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, you know, we, we were both feeling really good. Yeah. And then on the previous day of hauling, my right pointer finger got pinched between two beaners. Oh, damn. And it created like a massive blood blister. Okay. That I just didn't know what to do about. Like, I was like, should I pop it or should I just leave it and see what happens? And so I just left it. Uh And then the day that we start climbing from the ground, I climb, you know, it's amazing conditions. Everything's going great. No falls. And that's like up to 12C, you know, the first 10 pitches. And it was fine. Totally fine. Uh And then the next day when we're going to head up um, into the cruxes, it busted open in one of the upper 12 C's. Oh, man. And it was, like, raw. And, like, I really couldn't climb on it. I had yeah. to tape it. It's hard climbing with, like, a fully taped tip. Yeah. It kept sliding off. Especially in that style. Yeah. And then, to make matters worse, we dropped the tape draw. Oh, damn. And so I ended up missing out a whole, like, day and a half of climbing on the cruxes because we dropped the tape and like it's oh. on the ground oh, shit. and julie happened to be coming back up to film like in two days uh-huh. and so she got it off the ground and brought it up with her 
did she bring a backup roll? <laughs> I don't remember. I think we were like, could you bring an extra just in case? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but not being able to climb on those pitches for like a whole day and a half really kind of set me back because Nina was like getting it more dialed. And it was mm. like, yeah, she's going to send them for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I needed to really work out the beta, but, you know, it's like nice to have something dialed when you're going to go for the summit push. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, it just happened to be that, like, once I got the tape back and was, like, taping it, it was just sliding off. Yeah. And I couldn't, like, crimp that hard on it. It would, like, slide a little. I'd, like, lose some. And just in the end, it was like, okay, Nina's going to lead the crux pitch. And if she sends, then I'll, like, try and top rope it behind her. If she doesn't send, then I'll try to lead it. You know, it was kind of like, how are we going to balance? Are we both going to try to lead the pitches right now? And then it was like, yeah, she's sending, I'm not sending. How are we going to make the call on, Mm. like, what we do? And so it was our fourth day up there, I believe, our fifth day. And uh, it was like, okay, she needs to do the second crux pitch and the third crux pitch, and then we're going to try to go to the top. I still need to do all of the crux pitches, so I'm going to try the boulder problem. And if I send it, then I'm going to try the next one, and we'll just, like flip-flop like that but if i don't send the boulder problem then i'm just gonna jug Mm -hmm. and we're gonna like get to the top go support mode and so i ended up falling right at the end of the boulder problem on this gaston and the tape just like came Uh. off my finger and i whipped off and i was like all right that's it just the one try (laughs) yeah um it was like maybe second try or something but it's like you know you know you had two more 513s Two very hard 512s, another 510, a 59, and then like a 58 to the top. Mm-hmm. So we really couldn't like just keep messing around with, I'm going to keep trying, I'm going to keep trying. Gotcha. By that point, yeah. You have an incredible resume, you know, spanning all the different disciplines, and you've, you're a total crusher. I, I'm curious, what is your feeling about being in the film and your part of the film's like, well, damn, I have this gnarly blood blister and I can't really send the gnar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, How do you feel about that? I mean, it's a little funny because you're like kind of like the lame duck in a way, but <laughs> then not really. It's like, like you say, like I, I have done so much, so I f- I'm comfortable with it. Maybe mm. if I were like a little bit younger, okay, I would be like more freaked out by how I like come across. But I don't know. Uh, it's kind of like Emily says in the film, like, a big part of climbing is failing, like mm-hmm. not succeeding. And I mean, it's true. Like there's no like fluff stuff there. Like that's just what happens sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes it's just the skin on your finger. I mean, as small as that can be, like it's crucial. Like you need all of your, unless you're Tommy Caldwell, <laughs> like you need all of your fingers <laughs> to be like in tip top shape to sin, you know? Yeah. Totally. So Nina spent quite a bit of time in Bishop at this point, mm-hmm. and you've been living there since what, like 2006? Um, 2010. 2010. Okay. Yeah. Had you spent time with her before? A little bit in the boulders, okay. uh, but not too much. Yeah. Is there anything that you learned climbing with Nina on the route? She's, you know, I said last night she's not only like incredibly strong and very powerful, but like she's really good at figuring out beta and being able to just like execute it. I don't see that very much. It's like maybe people like waffle back and forth with like, I think that's how I'm going to do it. I'm not sure. Maybe this way still works. Um, She can just execute once Mm. she knows she could do it a certain way, even if it's maybe not the most efficient way. She's like, that's the way it's going to go. I'm going to do it. That was really impressive. She's also just like, 
this genuinely calm and kind presence, which for someone who's like such a high-end climber, like that's really nice to be around. Huh. There isn't a lot of like ego in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Do you think there's anything that she learned from you? She says she learned a lot. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) She learned how to, for sure, like haul a bag and Uh dock a bag. and A lot of the logistics stuff. The logistics of like wall climbing. As far as like climbing techniques, I don't know. She would comment over and over again, like, God, you're such a good climber. Like you climb very well. You have really good footwork. But I mean she's such a good climber and also has very good footwork. Like, I don't think I really taught her anything about climbing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. There's a great scene in the film where you guys are setting up the portal ledge and it looks like Katie knows what she's doing (laughs) and Nina's like figuring out what she's doing. (laughs) Yeah. There are some instances like that, especially when we started wrapping in the dark um, and Julie's wrapping with us. Uh We have all these ropes and, uh, I'm just like, I don't, I didn't want to keep being the one to tell everyone what to do. Uh So I would just kind of let them do stuff and try to figure it out. But it had gotten to this point where like, they were just kind of junk showing hardcore. And I was like, all right, just give me that stuff. This is what we're going to do. And they're like, how did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. Just lots of years of experience. Uh (laughs) Nice. So in prep for this, I, um, I was familiar with you, but I, I didn't really know what you'd been up to the last couple of years. So I start Googling around and I find your blog and I couldn't have asked for a more comprehensive like wrap up of what you've been up to lately. You wrote a blog post about a year ago right, and I think it was yeah. reflecting 2018 and it was just like a highlight, like one sentence, like this is what I did here, 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 here. And it was perfect. And I have tons of questions about okay. it. So I'd love to kind of get into some of your climbing and, and your training. Um, one of the first things, and again, for people that, that don't know, you've bouldered up to V10, you've climbed 514, you've climbed hard 13 trad and, and big wall stuff. You also do some training. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say also, you do, I do quite a bit of training. Quite a bit of training. And there's a few things that stood out to me that I'd love to get into. Okay. Um, tell me about your deadlifting. <laughs> <laughs> I love deadlifting. Um, it started because for years I had chronic low back pain. Okay. And a friend of mine, Ian Nielsen, who lives in Bishop, really good climber, good trainer. He's like a strength trainer, was suggesting that, you know, you should try it. It might help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and for sure, I started deadlifting, I think it was in 2016. Uh-huh. And quickly, like, noticed actually my back doesn't hurt me anymore. Yeah. And it would be like, not really like I'm sitting at the table and my back hurts, but it would be like all day out at the crag and I feel fine. But then when we're like walking back to the car, I'm like, dang, like my low back hurts. And I always heard people say like, oh, you need stronger core. And I'm like, I don't know, like my abs are pretty strong, but I I didn't realize what that meant. Like the whole core Mm. is like your whole trunk. Mm Mm-hmm. And really, I just needed to, like, strengthen the back of the trunk. Mm-hmm. And somehow it's kind of addicting. <laughs> like, the deadlift is addicting to see, like, how strong can you get? Like, is how much a, weight can you lift? The quantifiable thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of started pushing it. We have this friend who's Canadian named Birdo. He had this personal challenge of deadlifting Two and a half times the body weight for him, so it would be 500 pounds, mm-hmm. and climbing V10 in a day. Damn. 
And we were like, wow, that's a badass challenge. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, what would be my equivalent? That would be 250 pounds uh-huh. and a V10. And I was like, I don't think I can do 250. Like, I think I would have to gain some mass to do it. And I don't really want to do that. But for sure, I can go for double body weight. Mm-hmm. And then once I did that, it was like, it didn't feel that bad. Uh-huh. So I was curious, like, how much more I could do. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, did you get it? I did 235 nice. for my max. That's awesome. Yeah. And so you weigh 100 pounds? I weigh 100 pounds. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and how tall are you? Five feet. Five feet? Yeah. 100 pounds pulling 235? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Is that something you're, are you still chasing that goal a little bit? Um, I mean, not really. Like I, in my training, you know, I'll kind of taper and then just like deadlift for maintenance and uh-huh. not really like pushing the numbers. But like right now I'm just consistently kind of like lifting 200 or 205. Nice. Yeah. What about the V10 thing with the deadlift day? So I haven't quite, like I have done some V9s and lifted Okay. 200. Which do you do first? Do you climb I first? like to climb first. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I feel like if I lift first, it takes away some of my power. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe do like a fingery technical hard right? climb yeah, and then go deadlift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, my husband this year, though, he did his own Birdo challenge, which was to lift 300 and climb V10 in a day. And Sick. He, he did that. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. It's probably counterintuitive to some listeners, but you know, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, my lower back, I can't deadlift. And I had the exact same experience as you. I had low back pain, even like as an 18 year old, mm-hmm. I think I just had a imbalanced or weak core Yeah. and deadlifting. Same thing. It's, it's helped me immensely. Yeah. And I, do you think it's helped your climbing? For sure. Okay. Yeah. Especially with kind of like really hard undercling type moves where you're just like smearing and you're like coming into something. It's basically like that same motion. Yeah. Yeah. I do. And I think it's helped my pinch strength. Like my hands huh. are stronger. Okay. Yeah. Just holding the bar. Mm-hmm. Do you do any isometric holds or anything with that? or? I don't actually. Okay. No. It, there's a lot of people around town who are, and it seems pretty awesome. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your protocol or, or maybe just how many days a week do you typically deadlift? If you're in like more of a training phase. Um, two. Two okay. days a week. Yeah. If it's just a maintenance phase, it's one day a week. Okay. Yeah. Right on. What are iron dragons? Um, <laughs> it is a Bruce Lee okay. exercise where you're either on the bench or on the floor. It's kind of like doing a full lever up, like onto your shoulders and then all the way back down okay. with straight legs. So you're laying on your back. You're laying on your back. Are you holding the bench You at can all? hold the bench. Okay. Yeah. So arms down by your sides, holding the bench and you're lifting your legs all the way up to vertical. Yeah. Just and getting then up back down shoulders. and you don't ever touch the ground. Like, Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. They're pretty hard. Yeah. I think your comment on your blog was like, I'm super sore from Iron Dragons, oh, but, yeah. but hopefully <laughs> that'll go away or something. Yeah. Do you think those have helped? Um, those have helped. I haven't really continued them too much, um, uh-huh. but that year for sure. Yeah. They got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm not sore anymore. I should nice. probably like <laughs> add weights to my ankles or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you? I did. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. It seems like that one, you, you kind of get to a point where that's probably hard to keep progressing it yeah, that way. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. I'll find a video to those yeah, and yeah. add them in the show notes or something. <laughs> and then there's a few other training things. And I'm just curious. I'd love to dig into a couple of questions here, but also maybe get your take on what of the things that you've done over the years you think you've pointed to is uh, 
the things that have helped you the most or things that you'd recommend or things you plan to continue doing. But you had a, a comment. It sounds like you were training for a specific route or boulder or goal. You said, my one arm hangs got better, as did my campusing endurance and pinch strength. And so that was kind of interesting. I'd love to kind of break down all of those. You mentioned the pinch strength with, mm-hmm. the, with the bar. Were you doing anything else for pinches? Um, like we have these pinch blocks uh-huh. that I was adding weight onto. So you're just like basically deadlifting a pinch yeah. with weight added? That really helps too. Okay. But it would be interesting if I... I was curious if the deadlift would make me tired for those. Uh-huh. And so I was like trying them after deadlifting sometimes. And for sure, my, and I'm right-handed, and my right thumb would fatigue out faster than my left thumb. Interesting. On those deadlifting days. Huh. Yeah, it was interesting. Okay. Yeah. You think you're just using your right thumb more on the I mean, deadlift poles? Yeah, and I guess just in general being, you know, your dominant hand, you're using it more. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, it's better at, like, very specific kind of, like, tactile stuff, whereas, like, your non-dominant hand is kind of, like, the dumb one that maybe is just, like, a little stronger. Uh You know, I don't know. Yeah. Huh. Got you. (laughs) Cool. That's interesting. What about the one-arm hangs? One-arm hangs. Those have always kind of been, like, a goal and have always been really hard. To get to body weight. Yeah. And I've never really been super consistent with them. So that year I was like trying to be very consistent and having to start taking weight off, you know, like Mm -hmm. 15 pounds off and then 10 pounds and then seven pounds and then five. And then I did get to body weight. Nice. Um, And that was an interesting thing. Also, I was stronger on the left arm than I was on the right. Interesting. Yeah. And that's the same with my lock offs. Huh. I can lock off farther. And your your hand strength is actually stronger. Yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. For me, my lock off strength is better on my left, but my left hand is definitely weaker. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, you, was that like a four finger open? What kind of hold? And were you doing yeah, different grips? Yeah, on the 20 mil. Okay. Open hand, four finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you training other grips with the assisted one arm stuff? I wasn't. Okay. No. But then as far as like talking about the hands being stronger, this year when I started my training assessment just to see where I was on the half cramp test, I was considering like any failure, like a failure to maintain at all. Strict form. Strict form. And what would happen is my left pointer finger would go straight. Huh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's the first point of failure. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you actively training the half crimp? Yeah, I actually am just finishing up 12 weeks of training and I was doing a lot of half crimp. What does your protocol look like? It was, you know, it had three weeks of rest built into it. So every fourth week was like a taper, kind of a rest week. And then I would start again and it would be like harder, a little bit different. Three weeks of training, one week taper, repeat that three times. Yeah. Were you doing kind of repeaters or max hangs? Repeaters, max hangs. Um, You're doing both. Well, it would be like, and I guess I shouldn't really say repeaters because it wasn't like seven on three off. It would be like, I guess kind of more max hangs. It would be max hang for 10 seconds and then take two minutes off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mostly just max hangs Okay. Um, on the half crimp and then on variable grips on my next set. So like the first three weeks was just strict half crimp. Okay. And then the next set was half crimp and then other holds too. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Was that just because half crimp was your top priority? 
Or is that just the program that you found? I don't know. That's just okay. That's just what I did. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> then <clears throat> one last question on that. When you got to open hand forefinger with body weight, what did your training look like working up towards that? Do you remember? I don't even really remember. If I, Similar, you know, I, I write everything down. Okay. I don't have my book with me. I could tell you. But, okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, let me know and I'll, I'll okay. make a note in the show notes. Do, yeah. you, do you remember though, were you doing like kind of similar max hang sort of style? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right on. Do you think all that helped your, is it helping your climbing? I think so. It's interesting. I've never done 12 weeks before. Mm. So it's definitely the longest. And it's funny with training, like you tend to feel all over the place. Like you can feel super strong and you're recovering and you're resting. You can feel exhausted and just like totally beat down. I definitely went through all of that. And right now, though, I think I feel, like, pretty darn strong. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been interesting, like, climbing for so long, barring any injury. It's like I feel like I've just consistently gotten better over the years, which is really nice. That's awesome. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to the Red River Gorge on Sunday nice. for about a month. Um, we'll awesome. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I have two questions. Were you first? Were you mixing in climbing while you're doing all that training stuff for this for this last twelve cycle? Weeks? Um, yeah, I would give myself one free day of climbing. I was calling it Sunday Fun Day. Nice. I'd just like go out and do whatever I wanted. Uh -huh. um, but then built into my training would be days outside. Okay. Too, because I, I like the idea of training on rock as opposed to just training on plastic. Yeah. Um, then you don't have to go through this like break in period of like getting your skin adjusted to the rock again. Uh huh. Got you. How do you prepare for a trip to the Red River Gorge when you're in Bishop? <laughs> um, the tread wall is really nice yeah. for that. But then, you know, endurance is like the easiest thing to get. Okay. Um, power is always harder. And so it was a lot of like building the power, not really doing four by fours per se, but like, boulder circuits bouldering up to like v10 and doing it multiple times so like you know from starting at v5 going all the way to v10 doing each problem or like six problems of each basically and mm. then like tapering back down on like a home wall or on a home wall or outside oh nice yeah that sounds hard it's hard it's <laughs> interesting because you know i started just kind of building up to that it was uh -huh. like those first three weeks i'm not bouldering up to v10 maybe i'm just bouldering like at my base like up to v7 v8 you know mm -hmm. um and then just like slowly able to like build that capacity for such high output and power mm -hmm. by the end of it like my last bouldering session it was like yeah i bouldered up to like v11 in the gym mm -hmm. after doing like 18 other problems <laughs> Sick. so you're like well i think i feel good it could just be <laughs> soft setting i have no idea <laughs> that logistically that seems pretty tricky to do outside where do, where do you go do that circuit? so um like the table lands are kind of optimal for mm. it especially like the upper sad zone because it's very concentrated like the ice caves area like the ice caves area or even um you know where the little anti-hero roof is there's some like eights in there there's like some sevens or some sixes so you could like find these little clusters and spend like you know 15 minutes there do all of that and then move on like to the ice caves or something mm -hmm. yeah gotcha yeah one other question i had about your training from from that same comment campus endurance what are you doing with campusing so this is also an interesting thing that i've learned recently um in that it's the speed in which you're able to execute your power that is really important. Mm -hmm. Like being able to like 
fire those synapses really quickly as opposed to like building up to it. So like campusing really quickly, mm -hmm. like every single rung on the sloper runs as fast as possible. And then like double dinos, mm -hmm. trying to do them like really quickly. Yeah. And then one, three, five, seven has always been really hard for me for some reason. <laughs> How tall did you say you were again? Five feet. Yeah. And that's what everyone says. They're like, yeah, but you're short. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. Okay. And I'm not buying that as like an excuse. I don't know. Good for you. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so just like also consistently trying to do that. So what is the, I guess the part that really caught my interest is the campusing endurance. endurance. Like most people don't put those two words together. Right, I know. Um, what did that look like? I, I don't know. I'd have to. That's something I'm going to have to look in my notebook and tell okay. you. But I'm pretty sure it's like almost like doing it at like a systems wall. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I was having my feet on and just going up and down, mm. up and down, up and down for okay. like two minutes on, two minutes off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you remember with, with that comment, with those three ingredients, what specific thing you had in your mind that you were training for? I think it was something at the Delta Wall in Pine Creek. Okay. Do you remember what specifically? A route that my husband put up called Love Dog. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, no rest, just kind of like full on crimping all the way for like 60 feet. Not very tall, but enough that you're like, wow, kind of need to be on at like V6 the whole way. Got it. Which is kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. Did you end up doing it? I didn't. I fell at the top. Damn it. Quite a bit. Okay. Um, going and back. then stopped climbing on it. I don't know. Got like distracted with other things. Yeah. But if that was 2018, actually, that's not totally true because it was 2019 I was climbing on that route. So 2018, it probably would have been for two routes that I did do. One on the Delta Wall called Shard Attack. Yeah. And then one in Tuolumne called Top Gun. Okay. Yeah. So let's get to that. That's a perfect segue because those are both 514. Yeah. Right? And you also, like you said, you did a ton of bouldering. You bouldered up to V10. It sounds like V11 in the gym. You put up a new route in Owens, mm -hmm. a route called Pretty Strong, I'm assuming, because yeah. you had someone following you around filming this <laughs> whole time. And you did like a crazy link up of Astro Man and the Rostrum oh, with, right. with Hammer yeah. Hall. Like that's kind of a wild and sporadic year. I mean, you, you, it sounds like your whole career you've done, you've been a multidisciplined climber and you live in the perfect place for it. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to get into how you think about structuring your climbing year. Are you someone that has seasons of bouldering, has seasons of route climbing? Do you mix and match? How do you think about that? Yeah, for sure. Seasonally. Okay. Um, especially living in Bishop because prime bouldering season is like the fall and winter, mm -hmm. you know? So it gives me a pretty good chance to like have other objectives outside of bouldering. I really love climbing in the high country and you know, you can't when it's cold. So it's usually yeah, you did like, something on the Hulk too. Did something on the Hulk. That so year. that's usually like a summer thing like getting up into the alpine rock climbing uh-huh um and then was that you know, airstream airstream like 13ab uh, 13b like sick yeah so it's like if i want i can tailor it around like bouldering and then alpine climbing season uh-huh and then fit stuff in between like okay whatever the smaller objectives might be got you yeah are you with like your bouldering i mean that's kind of perfect and you mentioned earlier that you've been improving really consistently and it seems like a theme among climbers that are able to do that and have good longevity is they're switching disciplines, they're switching rock styles and stuff like that. And it sounds like kind of a perfect thing to go from bouldering to maybe shoulder season where you're sport climbing more to these like alpine things mm -hmm. and then kind of come back to bouldering at the end of the year. 
when you're bouldering, do you have just a bouldering goal or are you bouldering in a way to prepare you for the next Yeah, goal? it's kind of both. It's okay. like, I've always, like, I love bouldering. It's really fun. It's kind of how I really started climbing because I grew up in the Southeast and mm. it's very small out there, you know? Mm -hmm. But in a way, it's like bouldering's always kind of been like a practice for me for root climbing. Because like I said, it's always the power Mm -hmm. That is like the hardest thing to get. And so I feel like, you know, having like a good bouldering season will help me with my power for the rest of the year. And then in that, I'm like, oh, maybe there's like some particular boulders too that I would like, like to do this season. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, it sounds like you have, you're just finishing a 12 week, like dedicated training mm -hmm. cycle where you're not as worried about performing in these other modalities. Do you think of the winter as your like main off season generally, or how do you how do you think about it when depends. to train? It um, depends. In the past, we've also done quite a bit of tra um, traveling in uh, the winter, like okay. going to Europe for sport climbing, something like that. So if we're not traveling and we're at home, then typically it's because I have some idea in my mind about what I want to do later on in the year that I kind of want to be home to train for over the winter. Yeah. Okay. Is it just like the one time a year where you're really head down training and yeah, pretty okay. much. And then I'll just do like maintenance stuff throughout the year. Got you. Yeah. Okay. I'm really curious about some of the, the fast ascents you've done on big walls and some of these linkups, like the Astroman rostrum thing. It seems like you've done a lot of free in a day mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And then of course, in pretty strong, you got, you just mentioned this earlier, you you were on the wall for six days for that thing. So, um, do you, yeah, how do you think about that? Do you prefer that free in a day style and going fast? I mean, fast? that's pretty amazing to be yeah. able to do something in a day. And it takes a lot of the, like, toiling out of it. The hauling. And the, the hauling. And, and that stuff just, like, wears you down, you know? And just even being up on the wall as, like, awesome as it is, like, it, it starts to get tiring. Uh -huh. um, so I think it's a, it's a pretty awesome style to just be able to do something in a day, something yeah. big in a day. It's badass. Dude. It's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you've moved towards or have you always done that? I feel like I've kind of always done that. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I don't know why. I think it's just like the crowd I was around, like when I first got out to Yosemite, you know, like that's kind of what was happening. Like mm -hmm. Dean Potter was way into it. And that was like influencing our whole group of like what we wanted to do. And also it's like you're, you're not going to encounter as many parties and have to deal with like all of their logistics too. You can just blast through them all, mm. which helps because as climbing is more popular, Yosemite is getting really, really popular and the walls are getting really crowded and mm. that in itself can kind of like turn you away. Sometimes you're like, I don't want to go up there. There's like seven parties on it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's sort of case if you are doing a fast ascent, like an in a day ascent, do you wait and come back a different time or do you just like, Hey, we can climb past all these people. Yeah. Kind of just climb through. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about this link up thing that you did. That was really fun. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. You know, that's kind of like, like an old school Yosemite hard man, hard woman kind of objective. Yeah. Um, and it had been on my mind for a while, but you know, both climbs are rated 11 C not that hard considering but it's yosemite it's very varied there's a lot of wide climbing like it's kind of a burly day mm -hmm. um it's about 17 1800 feet of climbing mm -hmm. um and this is the rostrum and astro man rostrum and astro man yeah. did you guys both free everything my partner fell entering the harding slot on astro man and then higher up on the rostrum but okay she did really good sick yeah yeah i don't know so i i wanted to do it and she's a perfect partner kind of call her like a little suffer bunny um 
because she's quite a bit younger than me. She's like 11 or 12 years younger than me. Uh-huh. She's really gung-ho. Also, like, an all-around climber, can do it all, and kind of just game for, yeah, like, big days. Yeah. Getting kind of knocked around. and uh, Yeah. She's my suffer bunny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we've talked about your resume. So that thing's well within your ability to just go and do it, it seems like. Did you do any specific prep for that? Not really. Okay. Just um, showed, up and do, showed up and did it. And it was in the fall. So typically I'd spent like all summer, you know, I was like climbing at the Hulk. And I like to do that stuff in a day too. Like walk in from the car, climb the route, walk out. Nice. It's really good, like fitness building. So I've been doing that a little bit, uh, just climbing other like multi-pitch stuff, big stuff, guiding a little bit that summer, like oh, right, out at yeah. the Hulk. Um, so I felt like pretty in shape for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. What is the approach like to the Hulk? I consider it like the approach to the diamond. Okay. Um, something similar to that. It's about four and a half, five miles in. You gain a few thousand feet in elevation. Mm-hmm. That's a big day. It's a big day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the style that you did Airstream? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big ass day. It's a big day. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> Do you have any goals for fast ascents, link ups, stuff like that? Or is it just like, oh, that sounds fun? I don't know. Um, actually, in Red Rocks, I would like to do a Rainbow Wall and Cloud Tower in a day. Sick. That's kind of the only one on my mind right now. Okay. Yeah. I would, you know, doing father time in a day, I think would be awesome. I really like to do that. Yeah. Really. That would take a lot of work in that I'm like, maybe it's almost even easier just to do it wall style, hmm. but I don't know. Got it. So we, yeah, we didn't, I don't think I even asked that. Did you end up going back to that thing? I haven't gone back. Um, it that, sounds like you plan to. Yeah. 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 Cool. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say, so that year, actually, we had climbed on it in the spring also. Okay. Just to get familiar with it, we spent a few days up there. We didn't get to the top. We just worked on those 513 pitches and then like the 510 after it. Okay. So we didn't really know. Just go ground up on yeah, it. Yeah. We didn't really know what was going to be past it. Um, uh-huh. Which made Nina's send of those two five twelves even more impressive because she onsighted them. Sick. Um, One of them looked gripping. Super gripping. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not familiar with like weird Bombay stemmy weird style, like it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the one she comments like she lost a bunch of skin on it. Like she turned, she was outside of it, like bear hugging this thing grunting like really giving it her all and then like pulled it off in the end and it was amazing it (laughs) was amazing (laughs) yeah it looks it looks really insecure and pretty run out yeah and pretty low angle yeah is it like objectively dangerous or risky at all or just really Um, intimidating you know probably both some of the gear is not that great and you know what if you know how to climb that style, you can get in there and it feels pretty secure mm-hmm. and you can get good gear. But if you're like gripped and just muscling your way through it, like you're not able to take your time placing the gear and yeah, could be kind of dangerous for sure. Got it. When do you plan to go back to that? I'd like to go this fall. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I'm trying to get my husband to go with me. He keeps teasing me uh-huh. that yeah, maybe you'll rope gun me up there. And then I get all excited. And I'm like, so we're going to go. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, God, you're killing me. Yeah. 
<laughs> ben Ditto. Yeah. Yeah. For people that don't know, I mean, he's a total boss. Yeah. He's bouldered V12, climbed 514. So he's, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's capable. Is he going to try to free it too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to do the same thing? Kind of go ground up and focus on those crux pitches and work them out? Yeah. Because okay. the bottom, you know, it's 10 pitches down there. Two pitches, 512, one 511, and all the rest is 510. Um, and it's low angle. It's not that physical of climbing. It's just very delicate. Mm. Um, you can get through that stuff really quickly. And then, yeah, there's this nice ledge at the top of pitch 10 where you can set up a portal ledge and just kind of hang out and do like day missions up to those crux pitches and work them out and then come back down. Mm-hmm. Got you. Yeah. In the film, you were wearing women's Mira Velcros. Yeah. Is that your go-to on that style? They ha- I love those shoes. Okay. Um, I like them because you can just take them off really easily at the belay as opposed to a lace-up. And I don't know. Those shoes just work for me on all terrain. Okay. Yeah. That's my next question. So they're the go-to. They're the go-to. Nice. Yeah. What if you have to do toe-hooking, bicycle, stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, they're not that great for toe-hooking. Do you have another um, something else in your quiver for that sort of thing? The Butora Acrail. Okay. I love those for toe-hooking. Okay. And heel-hooking, actually. They're like the best. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'll find those and link to them. I, I can't even picture those ones. I don't think I've tried them. But um, Butora is interesting too because they offer like a narrow and a wide fit. Okay. And you can get half sizes. Nice. Like so, you could get one shoe that's like thirty three, and then the other one thirty three and a half. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't think any other company's no, doing that. They don't. That's super cool. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you have to order them through their website for that. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to bounce to some of the stuff from the Q&A last night. Sure. Because that was super fun. So we watched the film. Afterwards, you took questions for a little bit. And there's a few things that really stood out to me. Before I even thought we were going to sit down and do this, I, I, um, I was like, ooh, that's good. And I wrote a little note. Someone was asking you what you tell yourself if you get into a situation where you're trying a route and you're intimidated by it, either mm-hmm. a new project or something that you haven't been able to send you know, how do you navigate that self-doubt, intimidation, whatever. And you said that you have this mantra that you repeat to yourself. I know who I am and I know what I'm doing. I really like that. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Yeah. That actually came to me in 2018, climbing on that route Top Gun. Okay. Um, I climbed on that route quite a bit over three summers. And super conditions dependent, blah, 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 like all the things. And I was getting really close on it that year. And you know how it is, like, when you really want to send something, you start to get nervous. Mm-hmm. And that, that usually doesn't help you, like, whatsoever. It just makes you, like, too shaky for it. And then you have, like, all these doubts. And I just, I didn't want to go through that at all. Um, and I remember, like, hanging on the rope, like, in the middle of the crux kind of like starting to see myself go down like this dark rabbit hole of like doubt and like oh poor me oh my god blah 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 and I was like you know what we're some of the like most luckiest people to be able to like just come out here and climb this like view is amazing like this is what I love to do like I know I know myself I know that I can do this I know what I'm doing like I just have to do it just let myself do it And my next go, for sure, I'm, like, climbing through. I'm setting up for the crux. And I just kept telling myself that. And before I knew it, I was, like, at the top of the route. Huh. And I was like, you know what? That shit works. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Because it it was, like, it didn't allow for any of that other mental chatter to come into play. Uh Uh-huh. 
I didn't need to figure out the beta. I knew what the beta was, you know? I, I just kept saying that, and yeah, I was just executing it. So you're on a red point, literally mm-hmm. just churning that thought in yeah. your mind. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, a similar thing for like on-siting too. Okay. Not that like you're trying to block out like the thought of like, how am I gonna do this move? What's coming next? But it's more of the thought of like, if I start to get scared, or start to get uneasy about it, I'm like, you know what? You're like, you're very skilled in this. You know what you're doing. You can do this. Um, and I'll just tell myself that little mantra and it'll calm me down and I can just climb right through. Nice. Yeah. Did you get that from somewhere or did it just pop into it your head? It just popped into my head. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a bumper sticker. Yeah. That's a really, <laughs> that's going to be a really successful bumper sticker. <laughs> Maybe we'll put it on a shirt and sell it on I the like podcast. It. Yeah. With your permission. I'll, yeah, we can work out a deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to steal it. <laughs> so another question that came up that I wrote down that was really interesting. A guy was asking you, I think specifically he was a boulderer, you know, climbing V5. And he was picking your brain for, what should I do? I want to get better. What should I do? And you asked him a few questions. You're like, are you, are you plateaued? How long have you been climbing? And it sounds like he's a relatively new climber, climbing V5, still getting better from climbing, just wants to expedite the process. Mm-hmm. But um, your takeaway was like, you know, just climb. For anyone that's been climbing less than five years, I think you'd been climbing for three or something. Yeah. Just climb. So I guess my the question that popped into my head is, knowing that you have done a ton of training and still do a ton of training, is that kind of what your progression looked like? Did you just climb? Yeah, pretty much. Um, You know, I've been climbing for 24 years, so it's been a long run. Yeah. Um, You started at like age 15? I started at 16. 16? Yeah, and you know, I grew up in Louisiana, so climbing was kind of few and far between. There was a gym about 45 minutes away, and then some friends and I built like a home gym. Basically, we were just climbing all the time. And training wasn't even really a thing uh-huh. back then. So it wasn't like this thing we were faced with, of like how to improve your finger strength or whatever. But I, I do see it with a lot of people around home in Bishop that haven't been climbing for that long. And they progress up to a certain grade very quickly. You know, like V5 is not that easy. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good to get up to like V5, V6 within two years, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but climbing's hard, you know? And so breaking past that, it's gonna take like more technique, more understanding of how to move your body, and you're not gonna get that in training, you're only gonna get that in climbing. Mm -hmm. And unless you're some anomaly, which there aren't that many of us, it's gonna take a little while, you have to put in the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I I really do think just climbing and climbing a lot of different styles, a lot of different rock, uh, it's like the best thing that a newer climber can do for themselves. Mm-hmm. You kind of spoke to that with your answer as well. You know, you said the same thing, switching it up, doing different things. Um, you're like the prime example of that. And it's, it seems like in my mind, that's likely what is keeping you healthy and allowing you to have such good longevity and consistent progress. But I'm, I'm curious, do you think that you're, it's easy to see how your bouldering would help, your sport climbing would help your big wall climbing? Do mm-hmm. you think that filters back the other way at all not really not really okay do you think like, it's all made you just a better climber though? i think so okay. like i can't say that like yeah tried climbing makes you a better boulder <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. usually you lose power you uh-huh. know once you stop kind of bouldering or stop like training for that 
in particularly. Yeah. But I do, I have found that like techniques in off lift climbing or wide climbing has helped me with like tufa climbing. Huh. I can like sneak some funny rests. I can get knee bars where, you know, maybe other people aren't seeing them or wouldn't have thought about it. Uh-huh. Um, what else? Like shoulder scums? And shoulder stuff? scums for okay. sure. Huh. Chicken wing rests. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, <laughs> that's cool. That's been cool. And then, I mean, I don't even think really like sport climbing helps with bouldering. You know, bouldering is such a like powerful kind of thing. But I do think like different techniques and especially like learning really good footwork helps with bouldering mm-hmm. as opposed to just being able to like muscle your way through. Cause you see a lot of people that are really strong, but their footwork sucks mm-hmm. and you're like, eventually they're either going to get hurt or like, they're not going to be able to keep progressing because they don't know how to use their legs. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you wish you'd known from all this time training? Anything that you wish you'd started doing earlier? You know, and I, I, I was thinking about this last night about that guy's question. I wish I would have said like oppositional or conditioning would be in your favor too. Because like I said, I suffered from low back pain for years. And if I had started lifting weights earlier, I could have like mitigated that long ago. Hmm. Um, But you know, climbers have terrible shoulders. Typically our posture is really bad. Um, Yeah, we're all rounded, hunched over. We're all rounded over. Like if you can bench press, do your push-ups lift some heavy stuff like it's going to be better not only for climbing but it just helps us age better you know Mm -hmm. it's going to just set us up better for longer Mm -hmm. got it so let's bounce back to that because i skipped over that and i was hoping to come back to it so you've probably tried a lot of different things in training are there any key ingredients that you kind of come back to that you found have have been the most important or you just mentioned bench press like what other kind of stuff are are you doing overhead press deadlift those are like the three Okay. For sure. Will you um, focus on bench press and overhead press at the same time or kind of uh, cycle them? Maybe I'll cycle them. Yeah. Like one day will be bench and then the other day will be overhead press. Okay. Yeah. If um, you're training twice a week. Yeah. And you're deadlifting both days. Yeah. Okay. Are you doing your fingerboard program both days too? That's what I was going to say. Uh, like for this 12 week program, I'm only doing one day of fingerboarding. Oh, interesting. And I think the fingerboarding for maintaining healthy fingers is really important yeah that's another similar to the deadlifting thing yeah that's something that isn't necessarily intuitive when you're right getting into it people are afraid of hurting themselves on the fingerboard and yeah like, no it's the it's like making yourself bomb proof yeah yeah when did you start doing that fingerboarding uh-huh. i bought my first hangboard in like 1998 and again, it was like training wasn't that big of a thing. No one really understood how it worked or the best way to go about it. And I just had it in the hallway. And I just remember doing pull-ups on it all the time. Hmm. Um, I didn't know how to use it. And then later on, I got in like the Metolius, like fingerboard workout uh, and started doing that. And then probably once I moved to Yosemite, which was 2006, I actually really started training on the fingerboard pretty consistently. Because mm. I found that I was kind of losing a little bit in finger strength just climbing on cracks all the time, you mm. know? Yeah. So thinking about it kind of is, is maintenance even when you're doing a lot of crack climbing? Yeah. Okay. Have you dealt with any major injuries? I in broke an ankle. 
okay. uh, bouldering in 2014. That had me out for about seven weeks. I sprained the other ankle in 2016 bouldering, uh. which had me out not as long as a broken ankle, but it, it was really bad. It was about three, four weeks um, of pain. Uh-huh. And then I've had a few finger injuries, and those have all been from climbing when it was too cold. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. And is that, I imagine you still did a, a good warm up. Is that like letting yourself get too Yeah, cold and it was like between tries or? Like the last one, it was a high of 36. Mm -hmm. Even in the sun, like it was brutal. Um, yeah. Had done a really good warm up, felt pretty good. And there wasn't like an incident. It wasn't like, oh, that was a pop. It was mm -hmm. like I warmed up, went to try project, tried it a few times, didn't succeed, went, did something else, did something else, uh -huh. then went to another project. And when I went to pull on to that project, I was like, there's like an ache in my hand. Mm. And I started feeling around and I was like, that's like my A2, like it's hurt. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know when I did that. Hmm. And it, yeah, I was just like, you know, it's interesting thinking back on like two previous finger injuries, both times it was like a similar thing where it was like, it was just really cold. Mm -hmm. um, and I had done everything quote unquote correctly. Like I had warmed up, I felt pretty good. And there was never a specific incident. It was just like, huh, there's like a thing now. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you doing anything differently now on those cold days or are you just avoiding those I cold just days? avoid them actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, a friend wanted to go out to her project one day and it was like 40 degrees in town and just howling wind. And I was like, I'm not going. Mm. Like, if I've learned anything, I just know I shouldn't climb on these very, very cold days. Yeah. Yeah. What are, um, what are ideal bouldering conditions for you? For me, um, like, 55 and sunny okay seems pretty nice climbing the shade climbing in the shade yeah and dry i have very sweaty skin mm -hmm. um so if there's like any humidity around it's not that good for me in the cold because it's i have a weird metabolism where i sweat a lot when it's cold like mm -hmm. all of my pits will soak through like my jacket huh. kind of thing and i'll start to leave like moist handprints all over the rock yeah yeah it's strange like clammy cold clammy sort of thing. cold damn yeah. yeah i felt that myself before and it's yeah like, it's really frustrating it's frustrating like, temps are perfect what yeah, the hell's going on like why do i suck right now i'm so moist <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any favorite uh, skin pair skin stuff? I use Rhino skin quite a bit. Okay. Um, I used to antihydral. Yeah. Uh, and then Rhino skin came out, and I, you know, since that I haven't really used antihydral at all. How do you use that? Do you I use, use the, dry the, or the repair and the performance. Okay. So like after a day out climbing, and my skin gets like a little torn up, I'll use the repair that night, um, and then I won't use anything for a few days and then the day before i'm gonna go climbing maybe i'll use the performance mm -hmm. and a lot of sanding and it's been good that stuff's been really good nice yeah yeah, i like it too i'm, I'm good friends with those guys and oh, cool i mentioned this on jonathan's because he brought it up too but i i, I want to the disclaimer is that i do some work for them so i want to put that out there so it's totally clear but um i manage their amazon stuff so uh, cool but yeah they're i do that because i love their stuff and yeah. i love those guys so that's cool um, my friend Jess wanted to ask a question last night, and I think you guys wrapped up like right when she threw her hand up. Okay. But 
I figured I'd ask it because I think it's a good one. She's a relatively newer climber. She's been climbing a few years and she's dealing with her first like stubborn tendonitis elbow issue. And I think she's kind of freaked out that like if she takes time off and deals with this thing that she's like never going to climb hard again. So I'm curious, what was your experience with those finger injuries? Were you able to come back stronger and... You know, what would you say to a newer climber who's freaked out because they have their first injury and have to take some time away from climbing? Um, tendonitis is a weird thing. Um, I know people, and I feel really lucky because I've never had elbow tendonitis. Uh-huh. But I, like, my husband will get it chronically if he's just, like, pulling down too much and not doing any, like, bench pressing or push-ups or, like, wrist stuff. Mm. But what I've noticed is even if they take time off and they come back, let's say a month later it's still there. Mm. Like it hasn't been addressed. Mm-hmm. The thing that's irritating it has stopped, but like the tendonitis itself hasn't had any like attention. Mm-hmm. So like figuring out what to do as far as like oppositional strengthening or conditioning, I think is probably the best thing to do for it. As far as like my finger injuries, the protocol for that has changed over the years. So when I got my first finger injury, it was over like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was the deal of like, take time off. Don't do anything. Yeah. And it took forever mm-hmm. to heal. Like when I started climbing again, I was like, well, it's still like, it's weak now. It's kind of that same thing as the tendonitis. Totally. In a way. Like you haven't yeah. remodeled the tissue. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. And so the last finger injury I got, right, all of the literature, all of the testing was showing that like, you need to kind of irritate that tissue in order for the collagen fibers to lay down correctly. Mm. And the best way to do that is through hangboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, I took off two weeks when it first happened, took mm-hmm. off two weeks and then started hangboarding and having to take weight off. So I was like hanging on the 20 mil half crimp with like minus 15 pounds and then just like slowly working my way back up to body weight and then adding weight. And I was lucky in that, like, right after that injury, we actually did a trip to Font. Okay. And everyone was like, Font's the best place for tweaky fingers, like uh-huh. you'll see. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, and it's true. Like, I only encountered one hold that whole time where I was like, that didn't feel that good. Uh-huh. Um, but everything else, totally fine. Yeah. Um, sandstone bouldering. Sandstone bouldering. It's all open-handed slopers. Yeah not tweaky at all yeah um can be hard on the elbows from like all of the squeezing but anyway before we left for the trip you know i was like body weight plus 15 pounds Mm -hmm. which my max hang is quite a bit more than that it's like body weight plus 70 pounds so having to go from like very strong to like taking 15 pounds off to finally back up to like 15 pounds added you know it's pretty it's a pretty extreme difference, but it really helped my finger. Like I came back totally fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. One thing I want to throw in from my own experience that hopefully will help somebody out there, but I found it really helpful to, I kind of did a similar thing. I trained, I think just like open fingers first, but then once I got up to where I was feeling relatively strong on like two finger pockets and really Mm -hmm. open hand grips, I wanted to train crimps again because I wanted to be able to crimp and that still hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. And I actually trained on a fingerboard in a full crimp position on a bad hold standing on a bathroom scale. Okay, yeah. And took like half my body weight. And literally started with like minus 80 pounds or something. And worked it all the way back up to body weight. And um, my experience is right in line with what you were talking about. Just like really feeling bomb proof from from doing that. So 
that's another thing people can try. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if she's having like elbow tendonitis stuff, maybe she should take a little bit of time off. Like, I don't think she should take a whole month off or anything. Yeah. Just stop the like immediate irritation of it and look into like whatever the oppositional training is. If it's like golfer's elbow or tennis elbow, like what are the weight things she can do? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bench press, I think, is really helpful with elbow tendonitis, amazingly. Um, mm-hmm. Same with, like, push-ups, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were just miming, like, a rotation. A rotation, movement. like, wrist rotations where it's, like, it's top-heavy with weight. And you either go, you know, thumbs up and go down clockwise or counterclockwise. But you don't lift the weight back up. You, like, bring the weight back up with yeah. your other hand and then... So for listeners, you can do this with like a frying pan where right. you're like, you're, you're holding it out, your elbow's bent at a 90 and your fist is out in front of you, thumb pointed up and you're holding the frying pan so it's pointed straight up and you slowly lower it either direction. Right. Probably a good idea to do like a set of 10 of each. Yeah. And lower it, do the slow eccentric and then use your other hand to help it back up to vertical and then do the next one. Yeah. I found those really helpful yeah. for, for my own elbow stuff too. Cool. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you wish you'd known, and this can go beyond climbing, anything you wish you'd known when you were 20? (laughs) (laughs) God, that we're all so insecure as young people. It's amazing. And it's really like as you get older, you get more comfortable with yourself. Hmm. Um, And I guess I wish I understood that when I was younger. Just in general, you know, like speaking in front of public seemed so terrifying or having to like, and I was a shy kid, so maybe it just kind of like overlapped from that, but like having to go ask someone like in another language for directions, you know, that'd be like terrifying, but it's only because like I was just such a squirrely person. If Yeah, it's almost like if I had known that mantra earlier on, like I know who I am, I know what I'm doing, Uh I would have been better. (laughs) Did you know who you were and what you were doing? I mean, but that's the thing, not really. It's Uh like you think you do, that's the thing. It's like you think you do, you think you know yourself, but then you're super insecure. And I I have a lot of younger friends, not that they're all insecure, but they're like in their mid to late 20s and like they're just all over the place and they're like flailing with certain things and I can just see it so clearly like oh you're just like really insecure and you don't really know what you're doing right now just be patient Hmm. with yourself you'll figure it out Mm -hmm. yeah cool (laughs) how old are you now late 30s I just turned 40 nice yeah that's awesome let's go (laughs) age 30 is there anything you wish you'd known at age 30 30 yeah not to climb when it was too cold yeah yeah I think that's thing. when it started, that kind of had stuff. You, had you just moved to Bishop? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're in Bishop. It's cold. You're psyched. Yep. Yeah. Got you. Have you seen that trend with other people? Or is I that have, just, for you sure. Have? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And if it's not like fingers, it's an elbow or a shoulder. Mm. And it's always like a tendon type of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, because, you know, it's cold and we're like tensed up, even if we've warmed up. Mm-hmm. The in between, it's like you are tensing and tightening your muscles because you're like getting cold, and then you like try to execute, and I just don't think it's that good. It's yeah. clearly not that good. Yeah, I'll I'll say one more thing about my finger injury, just hoping that it helps somebody. But I had a similar experience. I was actually in Bishop three years ago when I got that injury, and I'd been crimping a ton that trip, 
and having a really successful trip. But I, what I kind of think was the impetus for the injury was, or the root cause of the injury was, um, I did a lot of crimping in the morning and tried something really hard. And then I sat for like three hours mm -hmm. and I didn't do a good job of warming back up Yeah, because it was sunny. I felt comfortable, but it was cold. And then, you know, end of the day, the sun drops behind the mountains up there and the buttermilks and like conditions are amazing. Oh, right. And everyone started trying something hard and I just like threw myself at it. Yeah. And the next day was like, oh, something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and same as you, it didn't pop. I was right. like, yeah, I, I really underestimated that and made it a lot worse because I was like, that's kind of sore, but. Right. Yeah. In, um, in hindsight, it was like a sharper warning pain. Right. That I should have paid more attention to i also think dehydration plays a little bit into mm, it because mm -hmm. it's cold maybe we're not drinking as much sure you know so like on those colder days the ones that i am going out climbing where it's like not super extreme mm -hmm. but it is still a bit cold like i just bring warm water or hot tea okay. and i find myself drinking more uh-huh yeah do you do electrolytes yeah what do you do for that um actually We'll either use like Cliff product electrolytes because okay. that's what we get. Um, sometimes I make my own okay. um, and it's warm water, lime juice, and sea salt hmm. and a little bit of honey sometimes. That sounds pretty good. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. And you just did a master's in nutrition, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We've talked about your climbing. You do a bunch of other stuff too. You you and your husband just opened Bishop Cowork. That's right. A co-working space in Bishop. You do a lot of writing. You mm -hmm. have a bunch of articles on Climbing Magazine, the nutrition thing. Yeah, what, is, what does all that look like for you now? What does what your work look like, I guess? The co-work is nice. It kind of runs itself. Okay. Um, there's an app on your phone. You like log into the website. You become a member. You get the app on your phone, and you can enter with this electronic key 24-7. Nice. So we don't really need to be there, which mm -hmm. is nice. But Ben has his photo studio out of there, and then I have my nutrition office okay. out of there also. I don't know if we mentioned that. Ben's a professional Ben's photographer. Ben's a professional photographer. Uh -huh. And are you working with clients for nutrition? I am, yeah. Okay. Climbers or anybody? Or? Anybody. Uh, I do some remote work, but then it's mostly locals, and that runs a gamut from like athletes, not necessarily climbers, but like endurance runners or skiers, to people that are like trying to manage a chronic illness. Mm. And that's, that's been really interesting. I really like that work. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we could probably have an entire, we could have multiple could whole have podcasts whole on podcast the nutrition on that. thing. Are there any, <laughs> I'd love to ask though, and feel free to punt on this question, but are there any key takeaways that you would put out there for climbers? Uh, yeah, two things. And I, I mentioned the water thing a little bit, but like it is the number one nutritional deficiency in the world. Water. Water. Yeah. Even for people who have access to clean drinking water, we're not drinking enough. Huh. Um, minimum intake is half of your body weight in ounces per day. Oh, wow. That's minimum. Um, that doesn't include what you need in addition to like drinking any sort of diuretic. So if you're like drinking a coffee or a tea, you need more water okay. on top of that. And then if you're being physically active, you need more water. Uh -huh. But like to maintain good basic biological processes, you weigh like 150 pounds, you need 75 ounces of water. Huh. And then if you're drinking coffee, if you're and exercising, and if then, it, yeah, then more if it's on like, top of that. Yeah, more on top of it. Okay. And then number two, I see it in climbers a lot, is that we're primarily sugar burners, meaning that like we're just eating too many like simple carbs. What 
I'm seeing with a lot of people is that they're having adrenal problems because of it. Hmm. Uh, as opposed to like having a more balanced diet of like really good fats and proteins throughout the day. Mm-hmm. People like out at the crag or, and even if it's fruit, like if they're eating apples or like dried mango, something like that, they're still like tapping into the glycogen and the glucose stores as opposed to being able to burn fat all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like if you're going out bouldering, you're going out to the crag, it's really good to have a mix of like, let's say nuts, cheese, celery, apples, something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And for sure, like in between your like hard bouldering efforts, you want that boost of sugar so that you can like get that fast acting like power. You can have like a goo or something like that, but like that shouldn't be what you're eating all day long. Like you need to bring the fat and the protein out with you. Yeah. And probably not every climbing day. Maybe not like every save that day. as rocket yeah. fuel for like the really important ones. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you eat in a day? Do you eat breakfast? I eat breakfast. What do you eat for breakfast? Um, it depends. I really love soup. So like if I can have... Soup for breakfast. I love soup for breakfast. Nice. Especially like egg drop soup. Like if okay. I, I make a lot of broths. Um, so like a chicken broth with some like seaweed or some greens in it and then crack two eggs mm-hmm. um, inside of that. I really like that. Interesting. Or do you like... Have, do you oh, drink coffee? Yeah. Okay. One cup coffee of coffee. Coffee and soup. Coffee and soup. Nice. Um, or like overnight soaked oats. Okay. Uh, with chia seeds, coconut, and some yogurt. Okay. Avocado toast and eggs, stuff like that for breakfast. Got you. Yeah. And then throughout the day, I mean, you already mentioned some snacks. Are you thinking more along those lines? Not. It like depends if it's or... like, you know, a day out, then for sure I'll bring like my little like lunch box is usually cheese, walnuts, apples, celery, sometimes like salami. Sometimes it'll be like a kimchi salad, nut butters. I'll bring that out to the crag. Um, if I'm like at home, you know, I'll eat just like a real meal for mm-hmm. lunch. Maybe it's like fish tacos or whatever we had for dinner, like leftovers, salad and meat, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, on like big multi-pitch days, I've been making a lot of rice balls. Okay. And I have like a little pack that I like clip to my harness. Yeah. And I can fit like eight rice balls in them. Are there other things in there or is it just rice? Um, It's rice either cooked in a broth or cooked with like a coconut oil. Okay. Pine nuts, like a salami or a chicken mm-hmm. inside of it, and like sesame seeds. Dude, that sounds amazing. They're really good. It's <laughs> <laughs> way better um, than like cliff, sh- cliff shots. Totally. Nothing and wrong with cliff shots. Sometimes but it'll be like incredible. rice with fig and cheese. Okay. Yeah. What about dinner? Um, and then dinner, it's usually like a protein and a vegetable, mm-hmm. typically. Sometimes they'll be like, you know, I, really, I love fish tacos. Mm-hmm. So you like quite a few fish tacos throughout the week. It's not to say that I like don't eat processed carbs, but we just don't eat that many of them. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you eat red meat? Yes. Okay. I'm really into like local and sustainable food as much yeah. as possible. Um, I feel really lucky living in Bishop for that. I recently ordered about 120 pounds worth of locally raised cow. Nice. From this ranch in town. Cool. Yeah, which has been amazing, and I got. Organ meats, bones, and like choice cuts. Nice. Yeah. 
Dude, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I like, there's, I don't think there's any way to do this, but I, if I could have one crazy add on to the van, I wish I could have like a deep freezer <laughs> to have like a quarter cow in the van. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really see that being feasible, but solar powered deep That'd freezer with a cow in it. Yeah. But maybe one day. <laughs> That's my food dream. I like it. My, my van dream. <laughs> One thing I've been really excited about, and I'm no expert, but I'm just going to throw this out there, but it's really cool to see what some people are doing with regenerative agriculture. And I recently am kind of done a 180 because I was more or less a vegetarian for like five years. Okay. And um, as I said, I'm not, I'm no expert and I won't try to like put this out there as a push, but it's just, I've like done a complete 180. I've like totally changed my mind around red meat, whether it can be healthy for us and whether or not it can actually maybe be a good thing for the environment. Mm-hmm. It's just a really interesting thing that there's a lot more information coming out about yeah. lately. So have you ever heard of Polyface farm? Yeah. I think his name's Joel Salatin that runs it and he's out in the Southeast. And I think that is like the ideal situation. If anyone's not familiar with that, you guys should look it up. Polyface farm. Mm-hmm. I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll, I'll find some info on it. Yeah. Is that there's basically cycling the animals through different parts of the farm yeah. and then growing other crops behind them. Sort That's of right. Thing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And I mean, it's so hard now because there's so many people, the population's just like kind of out of control. We're trying to feed the masses. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, we've run into like monocultures and these large scale industrial farms and none of that stuff's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a sustainable way as we know. And so when, when I think people are like really talking about meat being kind of like the ruin of the environment and you shouldn't eat meat. I really think it's focused on that aspect of it, like these industrial farms. Feedlots. Feedlots, as opposed to these things that Joel Salatin's doing. And that's a huge shift in changing from one to the other, but I really think that's the way it needs to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. One counter argument I hear all the time, because I've just been like kind of geeked out on this and I'm excited, so I talk about it, but the main counter argument that immediately comes up is, well, is there any way that could scale? You know, how how could that feed all of us? And I honestly haven't looked into it. I don't know. But do you have a sense of whether or not that could... I, I just don't I don't know it's okay. like it has to be brought back down to each community mm. basically like mm-hmm. we have to truly eat locally mm-hmm. um which man I don't know how you do that now it's almost like it's so far gone in a way to like bring it back in mm-hmm. seems kind of mind-blowing to try to wrap your head around I don't know I don't have the answer that's why I say I feel lucky in Bishop because we kind of have it all right there mm-hmm but like here in Vegas, like, I don't know. I don't know what people are doing. They're going to Kroger. <laughs> you know, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's on sale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, one more point on that that popped into my mind, because I see this all the time. I think climbers are a little bit unique in that because of our activity level, because we're doing a lot of things right, we're outside all the time. Generally, we have like really good community. We're really active. We do some strength training. Usually people have a lot more latitude and kind of get away with a crappy diet more than like the general population. But I've noticed, I've noticed some friends actually having some interesting health issues that I'm kind of suspecting might be related to food. Are you seeing anything like that? Are you seeing any, um, you know, if someone's like in really good shape and they look really fit, 
but maybe there's some stuff going on under, under the hood. Are you seeing other things yeah, that you attribute sure. to diet? For sure. Primarily, like, I see a lot of digestive issues, mm. and people don't even really realize it. Like, farting all day long is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, something's going on, uh-huh. you know? Not going to the bathroom every day is not normal. Um, and people just kind of get used to that. They're like, yeah, I only go three times a week or something. You're like, that's not okay. Like something is going on. Even though you look like you're saying like pretty healthy, like that is a telltale sign right there Mm -hmm. that there's like an issue with your diet. And then in addition to that, yeah, maybe it's like funny little chronic injuries or they just have like low energy. They're feeling like super fatigued or they're having like some skin rash, like all of that stuff. Typically it comes back to diet. Hmm. Yeah. It is the one thing that we, that affects us directly every single day. Every single day. The thing that we take in every single day. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of. It's shocking to me, I guess, how long I didn't think of it that way. Right. I mean, we weren't taught anything yeah. about it, you yeah. know? But yeah. of course, like you think about it that way. It's like, oh, this I put this in my body. It becomes me and I do it multiple times every day. Of yeah. course, it's important. Yeah. I have one friend in particular who I'll leave anonymous, but pretty crappy diet, really good climber, looks fit, but pretty young and already dealing with some like arthritis and chronic inflammation sort of stuff in mm-hmm. his fingers and, and hands and stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Are you seeing anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. In that case, what would you, do you have any recommendations? Um, there probably aren't enough um, essential fatty acids, like good fats being eaten. Um, it's putting a strain on soft tissue and soft tissue repair. You're not getting enough amino acids, which also helps because we're like, we're breaking down an amazing amount of protein every single day to like build and repair. And if you're primarily like eating really poorly, sugary foods, highly processed stuff, like you're not getting those amino acids, you're not getting those essential fatty acids either. You're not like rebuilding correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, Water huge thing like who knows how much people are actually drinking not only does like water help us flush out all the toxins in our body but it transports all of the nutrients around into our bloodstream so without those those things you know it's like even if you're trying to eat well if you're not having enough water you know if you're not having enough fat you're not actually like optimizing all of the vitamins that are in the foods you're not getting that stuff back to your muscles hmm. and your soft tissue where it needs to go mm-hmm. as i mentioned i eat meat you eat meat i'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be you know across the whole spectrum some people are probably vegetarian or vegan are there any recommendations that you would have as far as like getting essential fats and things like that? If someone has conviction and really wants to stick to like a vegetarian or vegan diet? Yeah. Like, um, combining your like legumes and grains is really important. Like you can't just eat beans. You're not going to get all nine essential amino acids from that. Like you have to combine it with like our brown rice, Mm -hmm. essentially being really diligent about your fats. So like eating avocados, eating coconut oil, taking like a flax oil supplement. Nuts, you know, they're a really good source. You have to eat a lot of them, especially for like good protein intake. But what damages the nuts um, and the fat in them is heating them. Hmm. 
you know, you see this with like, what's the smoke point of like certain oils, things like that. Well, it's the same thing with like all nuts and nut butters. If that stuff was like processed under high heat, those fat particles are damaged. Hmm. Um, eating that stuff's gonna give you inflammation. So like eating these things raw and like soaked overnight is best. If you don't like them raw or that's like too much of a pain in the ass, then like very lightly roasted is best. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you like nut butters. What would people, what should people look for? Peanut butters, I say stay away from. Peanut has like a particular fungus actually that can be like very prevalent. That's really hard on our digestive system. Peanuts anyways are really hard for us to hmm. digest. If you're having digestive issues, you're going to have systemic inflammation. Hmm. So like trying to mitigate that as much as possible. Almond butters are great. The farming of almonds is heinous. It mm. uses so much water. So I don't totally recommend an almond butter. Um, cashew butter is pretty good. I don't know what types of other butters are really out there. We use a lot of cashew butter at okay. home. Um, you mentioned the minimal processing thing. Minimal and, and processing. So are you making it yourself then? No, but I, we have a really nice health food store okay. in town. And she's really like up to speed on all of this stuff and okay. really keen and so ask like, your local yeah health ask food your store local and... health food store just like do some internet research i mm -hmm. mean google is amazing you can find anything on there yeah really cool i have one last nutritional thing that i'd love to ask you about protein mm -hmm. do you have a recommendation for protein intake because i kind of see most people probably chronically oh yeah having too little too little yeah. um okay so it's similar thing with water in that like the minimum daily requirement or recommendation is 0.32 grams per pound of body weight okay that's minimum, right? So if you're 150 pounds, that's about 50 grams. Right. Absolute minimum. Absolute minimum. Ideally, for athletes, people recovering from cancers, um, people with like other chronic diseases, it should be closer to body weight every day. One gram. One gram per pound. Yeah. People get freaked out by that and think it's too much. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I kind of recommend people go 75% of body weight is a good range okay is that just to appease people it's kind of to appease people and it's like it's a little more feasible especially if someone doesn't have too much money you know and they're like how am i going to do that like mm -hmm. i recommend like you know a really good pasture-raised egg is amazing i also recommend people buy like whole chickens cook the whole chicken you get several meals out of it mm -hmm. and then you can make a broth from the carcass later and then you're going to get even more protein and your essential amino acids mm -hmm. there um but at 75 percent is it's more feasible for people to wrap their head around than like hey, you're telling me i need 150 grams of protein today like how mm -hmm. am i possibly going to do that once they start meeting that 75% requirement, it becomes easier for them to start meeting body weight. Got it. Do people, do you notice that people start noticing differences and feeling sure. better and then they, they kind of get on board? Yep. That's interesting. Yep. So 75%, if you're 150 pounds, that's like 110, right. 110 grams per day. Mm -hmm. Does that requirement, so my understanding, and again, I'm, I'm just kind of a, a geek that reads about this on the internet, but my understanding is that the bioavailability changes, you know, between foods, mm -hmm. that animal products are more bioavailable. Does the protein requirement change if you're eating animals versus not? 
No. Okay. I mean, it's it's the same numbers. Uh-huh. It's just that if you're focused on vegetarian vegan diet, you have to have more. You need more to reach those numbers. Does that make sense? It's like, you know, there's protein in kale. Got it. But it's like you need to eat 10 pounds of kale. More volume of food. Totally. Okay. Yeah. And you already mentioned this, but mixing like quinoa and beans to get a wider right. profile of amino acids. Yeah. Okay. But they're sh- still shooting for that one gram per yep. pound. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. What else are you up to? Are you still writing? I recently quit my column for Climbing Magazine. Okay. My last article is going to come out this spring. Nice. And it's going to be a feature article in climbing. And then after this, I'm going to take a little time off from writing. Once I started writing the column, as you might have noticed, I like pretty much stopped writing on my blog because mm. it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to get back to just like writing my blog. It's fine writing a column, but it's also a little... There's like some pressure to it because you're like, well, how am I going to keep coming up with something interesting that for the masses, like it might be interesting to me, but if I'm putting it out there for the public, are they really going to care? Whereas if it's like my blog, it doesn't matter. I can just write about whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I have been working on a cookbook for some years. Um, so I would like to finish that, which was also kind of the impetus for stopping with the column. Nice. Um, is that targeted towards climbers or just general? It's kind of just general and it's kind of like a, also a narrative so it's like stories almost like a autobiography with recipes included into it nice yeah that's awesome so I'm excited when about can that. people expect that i don't know okay. i'm not gonna put a date out there <laughs> nice <laughs> cool well i will uh i'll keep my eye out for it yeah and when it does drop i'll uh, i'll be sure to share that cool cool Thanks. i'm excited for that yeah and then i help run this nonprofit out of yosemite called sacred rock yeah we work with at-risk youth. Ron Kauk. That's right. Mm-hmm. We work with at-risk youth throughout California, Central Valley. You know, these are like incarcerated kids or like highly marginalized kids coming from like very low-income populations or coming off of reservations. And we basically just take them into nature for nice. them to experience it for themselves. It's not like this hardcore curriculum that we're pushing. It's just giving them the opportunity to like be kids outside, basically. That's so cool. Yeah. What is your role with that? Uh, I am the chief operating officer. So I kind of see to all of our administrative and day-to-day tasks. But then I also function as like our camp cook and nutritionist. Okay. So I, I, I help lead some of the trips, especially camping trips that are taking place over the summer in Tuolumne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like all of our meal planning for everything. And then if I can't go on a trip, there's another woman who lives over on the west side by Yosemite, um, who's like an Ayurvedic practitioner. And she'll she'll work with me on the meals for those trips that I can't attend. Gotcha. Yeah. That's awesome. It's pretty fun. Are you teaching rock climbing? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So lately, a newer kind of contract that we've been working with are these students in Big Pine. Big Pine's a little town just south of Bishop. These kids are in sixth grade. They all live on the Big Pine Reservation. We've done five trips with them over the last you know 11 months uh no maybe like seven months yeah and we've been taking them climbing nice almost every time are they psyched they're psyched dude that's so cool they're psyched and as much as they love the climbing they also just love scrambling around Uh on the boulders and 
it's incredible because you can take them to the, a place like a climbing specific area and there's like established boulder problems and they'll do some of them but then they're like let's go like scramble up that thing and you're like yeah what is that that's awesome <laughs> nice <laughs> That's yeah. super cool. That's cool. Is that a year-round thing? It's a year-round thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, we're just wrapping up our 10th year, actually. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there a link? Is there a website or something? Yeah, I could point it's to for Sacred that? Rock, and rock is spelled R-O-K dot mm-hmm. org. Okay. I'll link to that for people that want to look into it more. Yeah. Cool. What is something that you have felt especially grateful for lately? God, I mean, health, honestly. Yeah. Um, I was just telling Jonathan and Shana that I was sick over the winter for 24 days. Damn, um, that's brutal. It was brutal. And I hadn't been sick like that really ever. Um, I hadn't had a cold in a really long time. And man, it just went on for so long. I felt like I was dying on some of those days. And like, it was just amazing to go from like feeling super healthy to being like bedridden basically for like eight straight days i really couldn't like leave the house yeah it just really puts it into perspective for you that like health is everything Uh yeah i don't know if you're this way but yeah for me if i get sick like within about 48 hours i turn into a little baby and i'm like am i ever gonna feel normal again well i think that's a man thing (laughs) (laughs) i can attest to that I think, yeah, um, males are like very bad patients, uh, just total babies. You don't but, get that at all though? Are you like, uh, am I ever going to feel like myself? Am I ever going to Like, well I, it took me and... a long, it took me a little bit longer. It took about five days of being sick to be like, dang, uh-huh. I wonder when I'm going to get better. Um, Ben also got a little bit sick. His didn't last nearly as long, but my gosh, he was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> just a man thing it's a man thing all right well i'll do some self-work on that (laughs) (laughs) what is something that you're excited about right now oh shoot you got this trip to the red yeah i'm really excited about this trip to the red i'm leaving on sunday nice how long are you guys going for um i'm ben's not going with me it's just me and the dog i'm staying with some friends (laughs) i'm gonna climb with a girlfriend out there okay i'm going for a about five weeks, I'll be in the red. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a project lined up? I have a few. I don't want to say too much pre-spray. about them. Um, yeah, no pre-spray. Some things that I tried previously, either with the intent of checking it out to come back later for, mm-hmm. or kind of like some near misses that have kind of been on my mind. Got it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. At the Q&A last night, Jonathan did ask you about any roots that really stood out. You did mention one. Are you willing to talk about that? Sure, yeah. Cool. I'd love to hear about that. What's the what's the one that's kind of at the top of your list? Um, Meltdown in Yosemite Valley. I tried it the year after Beth did it. Yeah, Beth Rodden did the first ascent. Beth Rodden did the first ascent. Is it 14C? It's 14C, and it's actually a line that Ron Kalk had tried in the 90s. It rests at the foot of a waterfall. Mm-hmm. So it's very conditions dependent. Sometimes it's totally shut down because the waterfall's raging. The rock's really smooth, so you can't climb on it in the summer, really. It's too hot. Anyway, he had tried it in the 90s, really was like kind of keen on it, but then discovered Magic Line and kind of went that direction mm. with the idea of like always going back to it. Well, he kind of forgot about it. Our life just happens, you know, and Beth and Tommy found it. And I think it was the summer of 2008 that she did it. I tried it 
or the, sorry, the winter of 2008 that she did it. And then I started climbing on it late fall of 2009 and had a really good season on it and was pretty darn close. And then weather came in mm -hmm. and the waterfall just raged on basically for the rest of the year. I went back to it a couple more times over the years uh, with similar thing, like getting pretty stoked and then the water would come or a storm would come. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I moved over to Bishop. The pass isn't always open. So getting from Bishop over to Yosemite is kind of involves like an eight hour drive around. And like I say, life just happens sometimes and you kind of get wrapped up in other things or objectives, but it's been on my mind for a while. Nice. Yeah. Do you feel like you'll be coming back to it stronger than I'm, I'm sure yeah, you are sure. than you were yeah. 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Do yeah. you have specific plans to go back to that? I don't know. Year? Jonathan hinted around that he's looking for a partner. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <Sick>. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm psyched. I'm, I'm, I'll be rooting for you guys Thanks. when you go down there and get back on it. Yeah. Cool. Well, Katie, you've mentioned a few times that you're just a lifer and you just exude this enthusiasm and stoke that's like pretty contagious and it doesn't seem like it's slowed down at all. No. If anything, it's just like the fire is just raging hotter and hotter. So it's really fun to, um, to feel that and, and to see that that's still as alive as ever. Yeah. Is Bishop your spot? I is love Bishop. Um, it's a small town. We don't have like all of the creature comforts of like a big city, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's so close and like in the nature. I really like that about it. Mm. I love just being able to basically like walk out of our front door and we're like essentially in wilderness within like a few minutes. Mm -hmm. That's really special, I think, and really important to me to like be that connected to the land in a way. I don't I don't know where else I would go and get that same feeling. That's cool. I, I joke a lot about like moving to Europe, even though like Europe is so developed you don't get these like vast swaths of wilderness out there, but they've meshed their villages really well with the landscape that you really do just feel like you're out in nature, like you're part mm. of it. I don't know. If Trump wins the election again, I think we're going to move to France. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will miss you, but we'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also like the variety of climbing around Bishop. Awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty good. You know, it, things keep breaking out there. Holds roots. Holds roots, uh, which keeps things interesting. And also, <laughs> it's a little bit sad. Um, some classics have gone from, like, classic to, like, well, we're not really going to climb on that anymore. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, like, something I lament a little bit. But aside from that... It's it's a good spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that you tried to be 11 this year. Didn't quite do it. Is that on your radar? Yeah. You know, it's like I'm about to leave for the sport climbing trip in a few days. Probably. And I'm like tapering right now. So I'm like not going to not going to stress too much about it. Mm -hmm. Come fall or like if I come back in the spring and conditions are still good, maybe I probably won't be in good bouldering shape at that point. But it's not, it's not like a, I need to climb V11. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is there a specific route or is it just kind of like a general goal that makes sense? It's kind of a general goal. Cool. Yeah. Right on. All right. Anything else? Any final thoughts for people so. listening? Yeah. I don't know. I know that's a hard question. That's a hard that's question. That's a bad question. It doesn't really work ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
we're really lucky. We're really lucky to climb. Yeah. Um, I think keeping that in the forefront is really important, especially when we're out there and we're about to like throw one of our wobblers like some spoiled brat. Like, sure, it's understandable. We get upset because we're like not succeeding or whatever and we put so much into it. But at the end of the day, like climbing is really fun and it's a great privilege. Um, so if we can just keep that in mind, we'll have a better day out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Perfect note to end on. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Katie. Thank I'll you. Be- cheering for you in the red thanks have a safe trip and see you later Like we do it.